0: This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by The Reconstructionist by Jonathan J. Foster. With so much changing in our society around sexuality, authority, patriarchy, religion, truth, and more, what we need is a book to help us navigate those changes while keeping love at the forefront. The Reconstructionist is that kind of book. Pick a copy up today on Amazon or any other fine digital retailer. The Reconstructionist, People Greater Than Text, Mercy Greater Than Sacrifice, and Love Greater Than Fear. Welcome to Reframing Our Stories, the podcast. This podcast is about provocative conversations with beautiful thinkers about topics that matter and the stories that have helped them reframe their lives. Grab something cozy or put on your walking shoes and let's reframe. Welcome back to reframing our stories. Today, you will hear a conversation around a topic that is harder for people to talk about. As we know, with the general state of sex education in our country but it's a it's a conversation that I think we need to have it's a conversation we need to change so that people can live their best life and I really loved the conversation today and learned so much because I, this is a growth area for me and it's a growth area because I grew up in the eighties and nineties. And the topic that I'm talking about are STIs and more specifically herpes. So growing up, you know, in the eighties and nineties, my education consisted of showing images of genitals that had sores and blisters on them. And of course, the message was, if you have sex, you're going to die, or you're going to get this disease. And so you can't do it. And I don't remember ever being shown ways to have safer sex. I Maybe they held up a condom. I don't remember seeing how to put a condom on. And I just think about the many friends who I had, who had talked to me about their sexual experiences. And so many of us did not have safer sex, especially within the Christian community. So what I learned about STIs now is that more and more people have them than we were made to believe. In fact, one in two people will have one in their lifetime. I also didn't know that the main symptom is no symptom at all. Many of us might have an STI and don't even know that we have it because we haven't had symptoms and we haven't gotten tested. I also didn't know that STIs can lie dormant in your body. So today we're talking with Alexandra Harbushka, Alexandra was told that she had herpes and it was an experience for her that felt pretty earth-shattering as many would feel right as we if we were told this because of how our society stigmatizes STIs but instead of it getting her really down I mean she did get down <laughs> as you will hear she talked about that it took a while It took a while for her to come out of feeling depressed. But instead, after she felt the pain of it, she decided that she was going to make a difference. And so she created Life with Herpes. It's an online community consisting of a podcast, a website, YouTube channel, wellness products, and a supportive community. Alexandra is a mom- and a wife, and is currently working on a master's in theology. I think you are going to really appreciate the words that Alexandra says in this podcast. And if you are someone who has herpes, this is a space where you can hear and feel supported. And if you don't have as much education as as I had not had until I started studying sexuality, I think this will be a great podcast for you to listen to, to gain some wisdom around STIs. And I think it's going to be something, if you are a parent, that you are going to change the way you talk about for your children. So please enjoy the episode. Alexandra, thank you so much for joining me.
1: I am so excited to be here, Kara. Obviously, talking about herpes is not something that anybody sets out in life to do. <laughs> like, it's true. It's yes. true. <laughs> that is absolutely right? correct. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> well, so this is, I mean, first of all, I'm grateful that you, that this has become what you have done, like your life's purpose in a sense, or being able to talk about it. I think that it is one of the things around, well, I said in the intro with STIs, yep, it is something that we we've were taught horribly right. around them. And so just to get into it, what is the number one thing that you want to tell the world about herpes?
1: Yeah. Well, even, you know, to piggyback on what you're saying, how we were taught, we were taught don't get pregnant or if you're a guy, don't get a girl pregnant right. period. Just that's, that was, that it. was it. That's mm-hmm. it. And if you do get an STI or you do get an STD, ew, we know why you got it. Yes, Mm -hmm. And and so really bringing that forward into what we know today about STIs is they are so common. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And the reason I believe they're so common is because we're not talking about them. Right. And Right. Because we're not taking the next step. We're not being responsible about being sexually active. And we're saying like, oh, well, I don't have any, I don't have any symptoms or I would never sleep with anybody that acts like that or looks like that. So I don't have one. Mm-hmm. Right. And most STI, not most, well, a lot of them are asymptomatic. And mm-hmm not specifically talking about herpes, but talking about other ones is you may not have any clue that you have this until years later, until you go to get pregnant and you go, why am I infertile? What, what happened? And it could have been an infection that you got way back and, and had no idea. So specifically about herpes, herpes is like the dirty, it's like the, like, it's like the I don't know, like the skeleton in the closet, or the 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 dirty porta potty that nobody wants to use, or like I I don't know what other yeah. you know, example I can use to say it. And the interesting thing about it is, it's the most common. Mm-hmm. Most people have herpes and don't even know it. Mm. Really? Two out of three people have HSV one, and one out of six have HSV two. Right. So it's so common. And the thing is, is most people don't real, and 90% of the people living with genital herpes will never be diagnosed. Oh, interesting. Really? Unfortunately. Yeah. Because most people are asymptomatic. So both mm-hmm. back to what I was talking about before is most people are asymptomatic. Oh, I don't have any symptoms. I don't have herpes. I'm fine. Or um, maybe they have one bump one time and they go, Oh, I, I was, I was camping and it was a bug bite or Mm -hmm. whatever, or I, well, and I think sometimes
0: I was going to say, or like ingrown hairs or different things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so fascinating. And I think too, again, like the stigma around STIs Mm -hmm. is big. And one of the, I had um, heard a Ted talk by a young woman and she has herpes and Mm -hmm. she talked about getting herpes. And she, in her presentation, said the phrase, uh, STIs are a human experience, Uh, mm -hmm. right? And I think so many people don't realize, I mean, like you said, like we were taught that it's dirty, shame on you. I mean, the shame element around STIs is just enormous. And I think also for one, like, as I grew up in a strong Christian context of going to youth group all the time and things mm-hmm. like this. And of course, we don't have these conversations. But I think even within the Christian community, for those who um did do sexually act sexual activities, mm-hmm. I really feel that many people were not safe in terms mm-hmm. of using condoms or different barriers because then, it means that we were proactively going to do this activity, which means we thought about it and we planned it, which then also made us more sinful.
1: Ah, oh, I love that. Right. I love that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not, yeah, I'm not gonna, well, I'm not really gonna do it. I don't, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of doing it, mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, it's kind of happening. Yeah. We're, we're letting it, we're being reactive. We're letting it happen to us opposed to being proactive and, and making a decision uh, that's in our best interest and our best health. And that, and that's what I talk about a lot to people once they've been diagnosed with herpes. And one of the biggest things is, is like, well, how do I disclose? How do I date? How do I do this? What do I do? Yeah. And the number one thing I say to say exactly what you just said is what is it that you want? Mm. Do you want to be Um, monogamous? Do you want to have multiple partners? What is it that you want? Do you want your partner to be monogamous with you and your partner saying, well, I'm seeing other people and you're saying, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and had we taken that confidence and had we taken that initiative way further back, a lot of us wouldn't be in the same situation with sexual experiences that we have, whether it's a herpes diagnosis, an unplanned pregnancy, um, absolute heartache, maybe waking up the next day, crying your eyes out because you had sex and now you're like, oh, but he didn't call me. Yeah. You know, so whatever that, and I don't, I, I, I use the word trauma very, I don't, I don't, I don't take it lightly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of trauma associated with it. Oh,
0: for sure. And I just think, I mean, I think about the fact like because the sex education in the United States is so dismal and because, I mean, it's still not incredible and there's still like only 17 states who require um, medically accurate, comprehensive sex ed. <laughs> and, wow, And the others um, mostly promote abstinence or, um, do not give medically accurate sex ed. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to think about then the numbers of people who do have STIs and like, I know, you know, right now, like syphilis is on the rise. Mm -hmm. It's one of the, um, STIs that are, you know, ramping up the
1: most. How exciting.
0: Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! But I think to myself, like, no, like no wonder. And again, it goes back to, we weren't even given the language of how to talk about it. And I think about myself as a sex educator and I'm 100% of like honest in that this is my growing edge as a sex educator, because I feel like, As someone who, and this is like one of the things I'm working through, but I am someone who has anxiety and I always have anxiety around health from my childhood experiences. Mm -hmm. And and so for me, there, I feel like is an element of shame too with the messages I was given and I do not want to pass that shame on to other people. And so I have to constantly check myself in the way that I am even speaking and what I am trying to say. Mm-hmm. And so there is a part of me, and I'm curious about this for you. Of you know, I think about how can we change the education around STIs? And part of what I want to do instead of, you know, like often they say, like, we have to teach about what they are, what are the things you, what are the symptoms of them, right? But then we also say, most of them are asymptomatic and there's no symptom. Yeah. And so I'm like, I think what we really should be doing is teaching how to communicate.
1: Mm-hmm. And so like, how would you approach that? So a couple of things came to mind on that. Mm. Uh, one thing, so one thing that's very interesting about my story is I actually was a sex educator. I was a oh, peer educator re- in high school. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I I was trained by Planned Parenthood. I, I had to take um, written exams all the time on sexual health. I specifically was an expert in, um, anatomy and physiology, um, but also birth control and, and all, you know, all things, I knew all of it. So I knew what herpes was. I knew how it was transmitted. I knew what syphilis was. I knew what, I knew what all of them were. I knew how they were transmitted and I knew they were asymptomatic. I knew all of that. Mm -hmm. However, I still believed the stigmas and I still believed the statistics. And at that time in the nineties, the majority of the statistics were, um, if you have less than a a high school diploma, um, if you come from a low socioeconomic background, and if you're a person, not basically not white, then you're at a higher risk. And so I was like, well, that's not me. So it's Mm -hmm. not going to happen.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I also believed again, and I believed in the social stigma of it being that, well, I, I would never date anybody that like, clearly I'm not going to date someone that has herpes. Like I would just know it. Right. Right. Mm, mm -hmm. And and I also believe that I was in monogamous relationships. So if I was in monogamous relationships, I also wouldn't get it. Correct. Right. So with all that said, I got it even in a monogamous relationship. So all of that is, you know, mm-hmm. cool to know statistics or whatever, but it, it's not necessarily accurate. Then fast forward, what really came to mind and it's something I've, I've actually never really discussed is we had this whole sexual revolution um, in the 60s, which I obviously wasn't around for. Um, and I I think it really, where it did, some great things um I I think it's really hurt us because sure. it we're still not talking about the important things so it it made it so that how much sex is a big deal mm-hmm. and it, it's a beautiful thing and it's a big deal and it's it's a wonderful thing and 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 we need to be able to have conversations around sex that are more than Hey, are you cool? Yeah, I'm cool. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, great.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and so it's become something that is normal and normalized and what you do as a teenager when you're dating or in your 20s or whatever and it's like it you're supposed to do it on the third date or whatever yet there's nothing there's no there's nothing there's no meat and potatoes there's nothing around it there's no conversation and so that's why we're ending up you know with you said syphilis on the rise that's why herpes is so so common. That's why STIs are so common. And, and, and that's why, you know, 50% of the pregnancies in the U S are unplanned. It's just because we're not able to talk about this. Right. So the answer, how would I change it? (laughs) I got passionate on that for a minute. Um, (laughs) So this is perfect. (laughs) How would I change it? I think it definitely needs to be discussed. Um, it definitely needs to be discussed in a medical situation. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and not sh- talked about in a shameful way, not talked about in a like, oh, I know like you have cooties and that's why you have it. Not talked in that sort of way. Just explaining. This is what happens. Mm-hmm. If you if you choose to be intimate with somebody, even though this person may may be even a virgin, I have people in my communities that are like, we were both virgins and someone had oral herpes, one of them had oral herpes, didn't know yeah. that it could be, be transmitted and they were virgins and they ended up, she ended up with genital herpes. And it's like, it just. Wow.
0: Yeah. 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 And people don't realize, you know, like herpes can be passed I'm from my, I mean, and if I'm wrong, please correct me, <laughs> but, you know, even like sharing drinks. And if someone has like, this open or like a cold sore or something, right. Mm-hmm. Which is her H- HSB one, correct? Well, and you can have oral HSB two. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, it can be spread through those ways. Like it's easily spread in that mm-hmm. sense. Correct.
1: Yeah. So, so a virus needs a host. So it's not going to live on surfaces for a long time. It needs, it's like a parasite. It needs a host, but yeah, if let's say you're, you're, you know, in your twenties at a bar sharing a beer and you take a sip, we'll use a beer. We'll we'll talk about a draft and we'll talk about, you know, (laughs) from the can or whatever, let's say you have a cold sore and you're drinking it out of a a glass Mm -hmm. and you take a sip and your friend goes, Hey, can I try your beer? If the person takes a sip from the opposite side of the beer, it's going to be pretty hard to get, like it sure. has to travel the, the viral DNA, like your saliva has, your saliva has to touch the active virus. The virus has to go into the beer and you have to sip and get that exact spot, like that right. except sip, right? So that's going to be really mm-hmm. hard, but let's say you have a can of beer or a bottle of beer and you have a cold sore and you take a sip and your friend goes, Hey, can I take a sip of your beer? I want to taste it. And they take a sip in the exact same spot. Yeah it can be transmitted like that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. you talk, you hear like girls that are on dance teams or, you know, theater groups and they pass around the lipstick, you know, yeah, that absolutely can be transmitted really easily that way. Yeah. And I think that's something that people don't realize. And
0: I think too, again, like another thing that I just saw was, um, like a review of a book of saying, uh, oh, you have a cold sore and, an educator saying let's call it what it is it's herpes right exactly. so like being able to talk about that but then having conversations with your kids of saying okay if you are getting if you have a cold sore this is what this is
1: mm-hmm. and
0: so these are the precautions now that you
1: must take right is yeah. that mm-hmm. and it's awareness it's mm-hmm. it's not it's, it's being aware of what it is and knowing that you can transmit it, but not living in fear that you're going to transmit it. I was on a call yesterday with somebody and she's like, she goes, you know, I'm, I'm a waitress and they put food in the back and everybody like kind of just takes their fork and, you know, like takes a bite here and there in between going back. And I'm like, you're fine, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you're fine. I'm like now using the same fork, you know, pr- that's probably not a good idea in general, mm-hmm. but you know, but, or people were like, what if I double dip in the salsa? And I'm like, you're fine. Right. (laughs) No, all those types of things. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you learned about it, right, you had talked about crying and shaking and feeling all the things, which I'm certain many people have had that reaction because Mm -hmm. again, of the messages we have received. Mm -hmm. So how were you able to go from feeling like maybe my life might be over. or Oh my gosh. To then saying, I'm going to make a career out of this. <laughs> I'm going to help others. I'm going well, to talk to them about this. And I'm going to, you know, um, I think it's pretty brave and bold really to be like, hi, you know, yep. <laughs> life yep. with herpes.' So talk yep. to me about how, how that happened. Well, it took a while. It wasn't sure. overnight. <laughs> You're um, like the next day.
1: it was not the next day. Um, so it was 2011 when I was diagnosed and it took me a full two years to come out. I call it an Eeyore phase. And we know Eeyore and Winnie (laughs) the Pooh and he has the rain cloud over him every single day. And I was Eeyore for two years. I, I look back at pictures. It was funny. My mom just, um, was my, my birthday's coming up. And so it was like a reminder of like, Oh, here you were. On your thirtieth birthday, and I looked at myself and I'm a completely different person. And um, I was diagnosed at twenty eight, and it took me until I was thirty mm-hmm. to really get out of to get out of to leave my eor phase. And it was just so interesting to see those pictures of me on my thirtieth birthday. And I'm like, whoa, what a different person I am today. Um but but I stayed in the relationship. I didn't believe I was worthy of anybody else. I believed that I had to stay with him because we both had herpes. I believed that, um, you know, anybody else I would date would, I I, I believed I could find somebody else, but, but he would be like pity, like, well, I'll, I'll take you Mm -hmm. like you have her. Well, I'll take you, you know, and, and, and I didn't believe I could go out and find someone I loved and somebody I wanted to be with and somebody that loved me unconditionally and loved me regardless. Like herpes wasn't an issue. Like, Oh, you have herpes. Okay. I didn't believe that. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to 2017, when I launched life with herpes, I was asked to speak at a conference and I had a different podcast and was talking about different things. And one of the things that was specific that I was asked to speak on was something vulnerable. And so I made, you know, my whole PowerPoint, had it ready to go. And, and I talked about getting into debt in my twenties and I showed it to my husband, my then boyfriend. And he's like, Alexandra, everyone has debt in their twenties. Big deal. You know, um, you need to talk about having herpes. And I was like, no way. I mean, there's no way mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. And he's like, this is who you are. You're passionate about it and you can help people. So you should talk about it. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So I did. Oh, that's great. So how did it go? What was, it was that like your the
0: first time? Terrifying. The time?
1: Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. I bought a really good dress for it, of course. Like I had to yeah. you know, look the part, <laughs> um, but um, it was terrifying. But at the same time, it was very interesting what happened because the room got quiet. Um, people listened. And they either, they came up to me afterwards and either said, I have it too. And I've never told anybody how, like, thank you. Or, or I don't have herpes, but I have my own story that I struggle with, that I would be absolutely petrified if somebody knew that I had this, Mm -hmm. I'd be, I would be paralyzed if I had to share this with people and people realize we all have our own issue. Mine's herpes. Everybody has their own issue. And we have to realize that this story this, the situation is given to us to learn. It doesn't happen to you. It's given to you Hmm. and it's your responsibility to take it and seize it. You don't have to be like me and talk about it for a career, but you can take it and use it and support people in the way that you feel is what is going to help. Yeah. I,
0: I have been writing, um, a chapter for a a book, which is exciting, but one of the things I've been talking about is this element of secrecy that every person has Mm -hmm. in around sexuality. Mm
1: -hmm. I said,
0: we all have our, you know, and I think so often people are terrified because of these weird rules and laws or, um, nor things that we think are normal that necessarily might not be, but we have deemed to be, um, you know, I don't know how to say it, but just like the proper, I'm using air quotes, like the proper way of functioning and being a human in our society. And if ever we make a mistake or if ever we have a moment where we go against our better judgment or what have you, Then we have the secret and then we are built with shame and then it just takes, and then it's like, that's how we operate. Then we operate as this mode of feeling like, I feel like there's so many of us walking around with just loads, like carrying loads on our shoulder Mm -hmm. and feeling miserable about ourselves, which then you see, um, being acted out and how we are treating other people. Mm -hmm. You know, and I feel often like if we could learn how to talk about sexuality in a way that was open, in a way that recognizes like everyone has a story, like you said, like our society in general would be a healthier place.
1: Absolutely. And and to piggyback on what you were saying that you're like, when, when you came from the youth group or the kids that come from... Um, a very religious background, they're still going to have sex, yet they're not doing it responsibly because it's shameful, or we don't want to actually admit that we're doing it and it's just right. going to happen. And so they're technically at a higher risk mm-hmm. because it wasn't discussed in the home. It w- wasn't discussed in the youth group. It, you, might, you probably went to um, a religious type of school. It's not taught in the school. And so you're just sent out. Um, and, and also to add on, you know, like I said, the sexual, sexual revolution, um, it just kind of, we just kind of went with it and didn't catch up. Like it was like, oh, okay, cool. Now you can have it, you can have sex, but, but well, we forgot to talk about everything else along with it.
0: Yeah. Well, I, like I, my health class in high school, I'm trying to think back, but the one thing, the one class that I remember is the slideshow of genitals just here they are and then the ones that had some sores and blisters on them and that's what we were told i don't i do not remember and maybe they showed it but they i don't remember them talking about condoms or saying that and maybe they said the word condoms i don't remember seeing one
1: mm-hmm. or
0: showing how to use it you know and i just think about like that alone is misguided education like we said before because that's showing if you do get a symptom, which more, like more often than that, people don't. Mm -hmm. And then again, that, you know, it's just, it's, it's fascinating to me that we're not preparing ourselves to live the fullest life that we could have because of fear over our bodies that are naturally designed for, Mm -hmm. you know, some people don't have sexual desire some people you know um feel are living asexual lives Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: there's also a population of people who this is just something that are the human species does Mm -hmm. are part of nature right like this is what nature things in nature do is they um i don't know i don't know what i'm trying to say do you know what I'm saying? I well, just feel it, like it's absolutely ridiculous that this is something that humans engage in and
1: we're still like, let's not talk about it. Let's not right. know how to do this properly or like- We'll talk, know. Well, yeah. And and being a parent, I, I was thinking about this. I teach my son everything, right? Like how to wipe, how to how to wash yourself, how to go to the bathroom, how to use a pencil, how to eat, how to cut, all these things. But I'm not gonna teach him how to have sex, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the most important things out there. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's equally as important as driving a car. And it's like, it's like basically not talking about sex to your children, sexual health, you know, and what it is. We don't need to get into um, positions or things. I'm not talking that I'm talking about sexual health, reproductive health, anatomy and physiology. How do we use protect all that? Um, It's like giving your 16 year old a key key to the car and never putting your 16 year old behind the car and say, go for it. Have fun. Let me know. Yeah. I it's know exact same thing. It's the same thing for sure. Mm-hmm. And just as dangerous and just as life-threatening.
0: Mm-hmm. So what do you talk about with your community around disclosure?
1: So I like to get, I like the person to get really crystal clear on what she or he wants, Mm because what ends up happening a lot of times is people will say, well, I was just going along with it. I just was into the casual sex because that was what was expected, or that's just what's normal, or I'm 25 or whatever. It's just what it was. And I often ask them, like, is that something that you still want? And if you do great, like you can still do that. Herpes doesn't need to hold you back. Um, And there's, there's ways to do this and, 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 and all that but if it's not what you want, there's also other ways to do this. And, and so number one, I like people to get really crystal clear on what it is that they want,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: not what society wants or not what you think is expected. And then number two, I like to say, let's have this conversation when you're ready to be intimate. So is that date one? Is that like, are you DTF? Are you going out to do this? Or is this, Hey, I'm dating because I want to get to know this person. And I think there might be a, re- a long relationship and figure out where you are in that. And when you're ready to have sex, mm-hmm. like when it, that, that could be three weeks, that could be three hours. Yeah. What is it that, when are you ready? And, and the next thing is, what do you want? What do you want out of the relationship? Is it something that's super casual? And if it's super casual, it goes like, Hey, look, we're just here. We're whatever i just met you and this is what we're going to do and you should know that i have herpes and this is what i'm going to do to help prevent transmission or we're going to use a condom or i'm on the antiviral or i don't get outbreaks often or whatever whatever mm-hmm. it is um if it's somebody that you're like this is somebody i want to have a longer relationship with or i see a, a future with then use it as a discussion to talk about your relationship and talk about what you want and use it as an opportunity to, to talk about sexual health and, hey, have you been tested before? And, um, you know, the reason why it's important to me is because I didn't have these conversations in the past and I ended up getting something from somebody that was asymptomatic and he or she didn't know. And I ended up getting genital herpes and I don't want to catch something else, nor do I want to unintentionally give you something. So I think it's important that we both go get tested and know know where we're at what questions do you have and you just make it Hmm. very um level playing field it's not it's not and a lot of women we come we come at it like I've sinned I've done something wrong please accept me and forgive me and that's not it yeah yeah I know that I feel like
0: that's the hard part I I would think to work through is Mm -hmm. that element of, and I'm curious if you think of this as more gendered, but I'm curious if you see with your clients who has the more shame or who feels the more stigma, or do you feel like it's pretty equal across the board?
1: So more women than men have herpes. Oh, really? Statistically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely the women deal more with the, with the, the sexual shame, mm-hmm. the taboo shame. Um, but the men are also equally, equally, uh, it's the rejection. Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. I'm unlovable. Will yeah. you love me? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know why I'm getting quiet, but I just think about how people would feel, <laughs> you know, and just, um just the fact that it just it really just touches the core of Mm -hmm. you know what we need like we all need connection and things like that and we're all looking for that and we're all looking for a sense of intimacy and feeling a sense of worthiness and then to have something that's so common Mm -hmm. that virtually people go unknowing you know virtually unknowingly get then be put in this position of feeling, of feeling all those things you just talked about, like, it's Mm -hmm. just, it makes me feel so sad, you know, it makes me just like want to hold people and hug them and be like, no, why can't we change this? And so I guess like my, my, my question to you then is, uh, is do you see our conversations and our knowledge around STIs,
1: changing in the way that we treat people and things around us. I do. I've seen a huge change. So back in 2011, when I was diagnosed, there was nothing, of course, and again, I knew everything there was to know, to know about it. I even pulled out my binder
0: mm-hmm. from,
1: you know, from Planned Parenthood that was from the nineties. Um, but when I went and Googled it, it was the CDC, it was WebMD, and it was Planned Parenthood that came up. And mm-hmm. those websites were very sterile. They were yeah. very bullet point, you know, with a little picture of a blue person, you know, like a little okay. cartoon, you know, like a image of somebody. Um and it didn't, it just it made you feel more stigmatized. And yeah. that was all there was. So that's why I started life with herpes, and it was in 2017. And I've seen a huge change. Like when I first started posting about this on social media in 17, I mean, it was pretty triggering to a lot of people. And it's, it's um, it's been very challenging to grow uh, organically because, because um, people don't want to follow you still um, or people don't, you know what I mean? Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's still, Mm -hmm. or you get tight, you get tied up into, uh, or Google may say, well, I don't really like what you're saying or whatever. So it, it, it is very challenging. My point is that since I started in 17, I've been a trailblazer and I see a lot of people now, not hmm. a lot, I'd say a handful, maybe 20 people are now talking publicly about their herpes on social media. Wow. Okay. And that didn't exist. And, and yeah. And I believe taboo topics since 2020, really Mm -hmm. taboo topics have become more allowed on social media. Yeah. So I do think there will be a change. I still think people still get silly when we talk about sex. It's still a silly thing (laughs) and people get uncomfortable. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, um, one of the things I have my grad students do is when just, Uh, different sexual concerns that people have like anorgasmia or different things like this right I have them google them and to see what comes up and Mm -hmm. all the students talk about the fact that so much of of when they search these common sexual concerns that the first things that do come up are those medical pages That and they said exactly what you did that it feels very sterile, that it feels Mm -hmm. very like, um, here's the facts go talk to your provider. Mm -hmm. And then we talk about how isolating it actually feels to try to talk to a provider, since Mm -hmm. many people haven't really even been trained in how to talk about sex, like in Mm -hmm. a doctor's office, and what that feels like, and any bias that may come up within that space. And then, um, they commented on how nice it would be if following maybe the factual information was an area of support, which Mm -hmm. they said they saw very little of. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that, again, like you're offering the space of support, Mm -hmm. I think is huge because I just feel like there's so many people, again, even with sexual concerns and STIs
1: that feel very isolated Mm -hmm. in their experience. Exact. It's so isolating, and again, that's why I'm like, "What is it that you want? Do you want to get married and have kids? Great, that's mm-hmm. what you want. You can have it, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. If you don't want that, and that's fine too. What What is it that you, that you you don't have to you don't have to change unless you want to, right. right? And and um, there's just yes, I agree. There, there, it's okay. I have this now. What? Right. And you're just sent off to go figured out. So when we're diagnosed with herpes or really anything of significance, but specifically talk about herpes, three things happen, fight, flight, or freeze, right? Because it's such a traumatic event because of the taboo, because of the stigma. If this wasn't a a taboo, if it was like, Oh, you, I don't know what's something. I I don't even know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but, (laughs) um, fight, flight, or freeze. And, Mm -hmm. um, if you're a fighter, you're literally going to either try and fight the person that you got herpes from, or you're going to try and fight the cause. You're going to, you're a fighter. Mm-hmm. If you're a flighter, then you're going to flee the situation. You're going to numb it with drugs and alcohol. You are going to disassociate with the fact that you have herpes. Like, oh, I'm just, I can't deal with it. And, and this typically is a fighter is a type of person that doesn't typically disclose they have herpes because okay. it's too traumatic to even go there yeah or a freezer is it someone that's like all I can do is wake up, go to work, come home, I can't even open my curtains, you know mm-hmm. i I pull out something from the freezer and heat it up, and that's all I can do mm-hmm. and so when we have these situations when we're diagnosed, we go into we 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 experience all but we go into one of them our dominant one, and there's no support for that, mhm. What do we do? What do we do if we're a fighter? What do we do if we're a freezer? What do we do if we're if we're fighting? What do we do if we're numbing with drugs and alcohol? How do we support that? And that's specifically what I do. Hmm. I know that's great. So um
0: what have you talked about with people around rejection? Because rejection,
1: yeah. yeah. It's it's basically it's well, it's inevitable. Right. Everyone's going to get rejected for something. Like I've been rejected plenty of times without having herpes. Right. And right. um, so it's going to happen, but, but rejection happens for three reasons. The person is either not emotionally, like they just not, not emotionally, like silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, they're, they're not emotionally there to talk about it. Right. I use the example, um, you know, if you're an adult and your boyfriend, can't even get, pick up tampons for you because he's embarrassed. Like that's not a good sign. Yeah. Right? That type of thing. <laughs> Let's just say goodbye now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like we're not 12 years old. Ew, right. gross. Right. right. So that type of situation, or they're just silly about it. They can't talk about it or they joke about it or they just beat around the bush. That So that person, the other is the person is, has a deep rooted belief that is not going to change. And he mm-hmm. or she does not want to change that. Right. So I use the example, I can, you can use it as with politics. You can use it with religion. You could say someone of the Catholic faith is not going to agree with the Jewish faith. And someone of the Jewish faith is not going to agree with the Catholic faith ever, ever, ever. They're never going to agree mm-hmm. on the same fundamental values. It just doesn't work. Right. So this person is deeply rooted in a belief about herpes or STIs or sex that doesn't align with who you are. Mm-hmm. That's the second reason number three, the person's just not into you. Right. And yeah. that's always the hardest because we think, cause usually if, so if you don't have herpes, usually one or two get overlooked. Mm-hmm. And then like three weeks later, it's a huge breakup and you're like, well, what happened? But if you really look at it, you get rejected. That's one of those three reasons. And, and like people will say, oh, but but he really, he says he really loves me and he really, really loves me and he wants to be with me, but he just can't get over it. And I'm like, he has some deep rooted belief that it's, that's, that's overpowering mm-hmm. his, his thought, he, he can't change it. Like he doesn't want to change it. And so we have to look at it as this person just isn't the right person. Like it's just right. not going to work long-term Right. and that's okay. Yeah. And there is that person out there. That's like, I love you so much. I do not care. I want to pick up tampons and, (laughs) and I agree on the same levels, everything. And I don't care that you have herpes period. The end, like I'm, I'm with you. We're together. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I know. I think that's really good to know. And I feel like overall, everyone needs a little help with rejection in terms of just how to process anyway right i think that's the one thing i tell parents i say um you need to teach your kids coping skills around rejection because mm-hmm. everyone has a really hard it's, time yeah
1: everyone has rejection redire- yeah. nobody likes it no it doesn't feel good it but feels- we have to believe rejection is a redirection oh yeah oh i
0: love that rejection is a redirection <laughs> i feel like that could be turned into a song um, so what, what have you learned about yourself in this process of
1: deconstruction of having an STI
0: so much,
1: yeah. So I look back at the 28 year old Alexandra and I was definitely into dating for, and I didn't realize it, um, mm-hmm. but like conditional love or I was dating, because I thought I had to date this person. This is the person I'm supposed to be with. He's supposed to have a certain type of job, look a certain way, accomplish certain things. And, and so that's the person I'm supposed to date. And then also I was um, wanting that 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 adoration or that, that love, meaning like even silly things. Like if a guy said, well, I really like it when you wear your hair down. I'd be like, okay, I'll wear my hair down. Got it. Done. Like, got it. Mm-hmm. Hair down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't true to who I was and I didn't realize that until much later and, and getting herpes forced me to wake up and say, you are the prize. You are the absolute prize and you, you're going to evolve and change. And, and that person is going to see you and want you and love everything about you and want to grow and change with you. Um, you know, I wasn't a done like it wasn't, I'm still not done learning and changing and looking at myself and going, oh, that makes sense. Or peeling mm-hmm. back this issue or that issue or whatever. Mm-hmm. It definitely made me less uh, judgy, yes. less mm-hmm. you know, like, like, oh, why is that person doing that? Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. cool. That's what you want to do. Awesome. As long as you're not hurting anybody along the way, I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. So it definitely allowed me to have more empathy towards people and all of their experiences. Yeah. I tell people
0: all the time that becoming a sex educator has made me a better Christian. <laughs> I love it. And I think it's because I I am recognizing the way we play out our past traumas and things we were not given in childhood into mm-hmm. our current relationships and sometimes we do cause harm, which isn't great. Uh-huh. Um but it's always a product of the learning experience, you know? And so I offer, again, I'm not as judgy as I think I once was. And I recognize where people just need a sense of forgiveness and support. Like I talk about all the time, like, wouldn't it be interesting how we could um, be as a society if instead of throwing shame at people, we say, what do you need? Exactly. How do I, how can I support you?
1: Yeah. Back to, you can use a a biblical reference, like who's going to cast the first stone here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you have, if you, if you've not sinned, please throw the first stone. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Go for it. (laughs) So speaking of that, I see that you're getting your
0: master's in theology and I am just very intrigued.
1: So I, I'm, I graduated. You did. Thank you. I accomplished it. (laughs) you know, it's so interesting. It started off, I had a baby and I was just so overtaken by this incredible gift to be a mother and mm-hmm. blessed. And why was I so lucky? And how like, I'm even getting emotional talking about, you know, like, how did, yeah. I, how did my husband and I get so blessed to have this beautiful baby when I know there's lots of couples out there that struggle and, and, why was I blessed? And so I wanted to learn more. I wanted to go back. I, I grew up in the church and I grew up going to youth group and all that. and mm-hmm. then I kind of went away from it. Um, and I thought, well, I want to do a Bible study class. And I thought, well, let me just take an online class like a, at a university. I don't really I don't know if I go to Bible study at like, I don't know, I'll, I'll take a a university level class. Mm-hmm. And so class by class by class by class, <laughs> I suddenly <laughs> was like, oh, I'm close to a master's. Oh, well, <laughs> and, and so I finished it. Um, with it being said, I believe it was like a divine calling or intervention. And it's something that I didn't realize that I was already using mm-hmm. um, do, supporting and, and speaking and, and obviously talking about some really tender topics. And so now it's been this wonderful tool that I can use if people want pastoral counseling or if people are faith-based great Mm -hmm. if you're not also cool like we don't need to go there that's also great Mm -hmm. um but being able to use it and and I really feel that it's been such a blessing in my life to have to have like reconnected and taken it to this level yeah
0: that's great yeah I find the same I do the same thing within Mm -hmm. coaching and things with people who who are faith-based and stuff. And just to give it a different kind of language and more, and to also to be able to speak to, I think, to all the things that we were told in a Christian context that aren't necessarily correct or um, helpful. Well, it was, <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: You know, sex, sex within religion was used as a control yeah. mechanism, you know? Yeah. And so 100. it's unfortunate that that's the case. And there's a lot of what's in the Bible about sex. That's great. And Mm -hmm. and I think that, that we should still look back at that and like, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, maybe it was accurate, you know? Um, but using it as a control tactic is is wrong. And, and, and trying to, um, curb people of their desires is, I, you know, I think wrong. And again, it was just used as a way to keep people, Mm -hmm. you know, going down a path. Yeah. Um, on that, a great resource for couples and, and sex is it's a faith-based podcast community. It's called one extraordinary marriage and oh, they, yeah. are you familiar with them? Yeah. I mean, I, oh. I know who they are. Yeah. Yes. It's you know. fabulous. If that's something that you guys want to, I, I always give them shout outs when, Oh, that's great. when, um, when possible. So that's a great way to go as well. Cool. So I ask all of my guests, what story are you reframing today? I'm restreaming, restreaming, (laughs) reframing (laughs) that um, we all have our own personal crisis, our own personal 9-11 and mine happened to be herpes and take that story. It's okay to sit with it. It's okay to be Eeyore. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to ask why, but take, but get up whenever you decide to get up get up and make that choice to let this story propel you Mm -hmm. and let this story change you and let this story give you different perspective and and use it to to just excel at life not let it hold you back yeah that's beautiful I appreciate that
0: yeah so, talk to me about if people are hearing this and they want to get a hold of you, or they just—if you could tell us how again people can find you, but then also what you're offering
1: in the online space mm-hmm. um,
0: that people can be directed to.
1: Right. So, my—you can find me anywhere with life with herpes. You're not going to forget that yeah. <laughs> if you have herpes, um, life with herpes. I'm wherever you want. You know, YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, wherever you're at. Um, I'm there but if you do, so again, finding the resources are going to be helpful. Um, and, and, and ideally finding the community. And that's why I created a community of people all over the world. That's going to be your best way to heal. That's going to be your best way to also support others. When you, when you teach others or support others, you yourself heal along the way. So there's just, it's, so many benefits and so many different facets within the community, the secret society. Um So definitely, I'm all about that. If you are new to herpes or like, where do I start? Or I need information. I do have a free ebook. It is outbreakremedies.com. It's a 21-page ebook talking about outbreaks and what do we do and how do we speed up recovery and. And um how do I deal with the pain and all sorts of things like that. So I do mm. have that if you want to download that, it is free. It's outbreakremedies.com. Other than that, I would love to see you in the community. So just check out Life with Herpes and I'll I'll see you. That's great.
0: Alexandra, I think what you're doing is wonderful and I'm really glad that you were able to, you know, experience the ER because that's grief right? We have to be in our grief and that's okay. Um, but then to be able to find a way to help others with it, I think is just um, a gift and wonderful. And so thank you for educating and being a voice for this because it is something where, you know, so many people are affected by it. Right. And it shouldn't be something that we have to live in shame for. And it's important to understand
1: it. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you as well. And thank you for doing your work and educating and getting the message out because it's so important, especially in faith-based communities.
0: Yeah.